We're back on the Soccer Hour on KMBR 1050, continuing our conversation with Earthquakes legend and current color TV analyst Chris Dangerfield. Of course, and uh, I you mean, know, who, who, forget, who can forget the Deblin brothers? You know well, what I mean? That, Hello, yeah, <laughs> they'll, they'll talk. That's for, that's for sure. But I mean, people always want to see a, a Lenny type character here, yes. in San Jose, and you know that came with a couple of suspensions from time to time. And I, you know, it, I always look. Can you ever recapture something, or do you have to allow a player to create their own identity? Because I, I always pause when people say, "Oh, it's like a new Lenny." It's like, well, let him just be Magnus. Let him be. Let him be his own character. Don't worry about whether or not he's suspended. And if he's getting in guys' faces, I'm, I'm all for that. But I, it's interesting that fans want to put that persona on him, even though he hasn't even done anything on the pitch yet. Yeah, I think the fans will make their own mind up about all the new players, right, and how they fit in. Um, I do know as a player, there's played a number of years here for this team that they they like it when players are involved and they're giving that little, little bit of extra on and off the field obviously yeah. uh, but um, and I think that with um, certainly with Ericsson I think you're going to see that a character that's going to be fighting and that's where the Lenny you know um, comparisons come in obviously yeah. is that you know he's going to be putting his I guess his body on the line and and when he looked at the success that both Lenny and Gordo had as the Bash brothers, it really at the end of the day, it was because they're a little bit crazy. There's nothing <laughs> wrong they, with that. They put their head in there where certainly I wouldn't. <laughs> We've got Chris Dangerfield here on the Soccer Hour, KMBR 1050. Um, Wando just came in third in the beep test. He was out there looking like he's in great shape. Now, usually he's with the national team this time of the year, so we don't get to see him um, at this first media day training session. But, I mean, he's... He's not young. He's only six months younger than me, and I am way too close to 36 for comfort, and he's just coming off a year that was one of his most productive ever. I mean, he was out there leading the team in goals and assists, and, I mean, at some point, he you think he'll slow down, but he's he's not, clearly, not based on production. No, and his attitude was great. I just had a quick chat with him, with both of us, and he came over, and he looks like he's excited for the season again. Um, he's always got that boyish charm to him, hasn't he, Wando? He's yeah. always he's always very excited, and um, and it's it's a genuine excitement that you're seeing him right now. He certainly, I thought, looked fitter than he's ever looked in an earthquake shirt yeah. last season. He looked he was like lean. he was prepared. <laughs> and we just talked to him as said, what you've been doing in the off season. Ah, I took a couple of weeks off, but then I was I was getting ready for this one. I mean that it, that's the kind of attitude that you will get you a long way in anything you do. Uh, but he's ready to play again, and he's ready to compete for the minutes. And one thing that could be interesting in those kind of scenarios, and I, I think it's the way it should be at the end of the day, is that you've got a new coach, and he doesn't know most of these players, and he's going to look at who's doing well, and he's going to pick his team, and yeah. that's his job. Uh, there could be a few upset people. I don't think it'll be one, though, because I think you know <laughs> he's a player that deserves to get that respect to be given every opportunity to slot into the team again. But, um, you know, I think it's going to be Coach uh, Stry's um, uh, uh, option to um, look at the players available and, and pick the players that he thinks are going to do the best for the earthquakes. i got to get you to allude to this since we were talking about it out there at training, and I've heard my dad mention this before. And like you just said, guys today show up so fit and ready to go on day number one, but it didn't used to be like that. <laughs> Oh no! I mean, preseason used to be preseason. I mean, used to, that was when everybody got fit. It would be run and run and run, and people throwing up and and all these nasty things. That is just crazy stuff, and people falling over and collapsing with exhaustion. But you just saw the beep test, and they breeze through it. Yeah. 
and the older players like Wanda were there at the front of it. So um, <laughs> there's probably one or two that you know need a few weeks of training to get back to their optimum fitness. But yeah, it, it's a different athlete. You know, these players have the um, the luxury of nutritionists and and performance analysis and the equipment and the training staff and um, uh, people monitoring their, their heart rates and everything else that goes on. And that's a negative in some respects because the training staff knows if you're giving it 100% <laughs> or if you're trying to like just slide through this training session. So, yeah, it's a different world out there for these athletes. And, and um, why not? Yeah, why not? What would they have said about your training methods and how fit you were? I mean, you were obviously a very successful player, but you didn't know exactly what your heart rate was. You didn't know how your body was. You didn't know your residual lactic acid buildup. I mean, do you look back at your diet and your training and your preparation? And is it that far off from what you think they're doing today, or is it today they just have a more um, – a less – they have a more focused view of it today? Yes. I mean, I think we were way behind where they are today. And, you know, I mean – we never had. I, we go on the road with the team. They have a room when it, the room is full of food for them, and it's all fruit and, you know, and uh, quality chicken and uh, pastas and stuff that we would never eat. <laughs> There's certainly no beer in there. We know that much. Um, but you know, so yes, it's a completely different animal, um, and I, I think it would we'd have all been better off for it back in the day. But then again. You look at the way the players used to go through that, not only from a nutrition standpoint, but also the conditions. Mm -hmm. I mean, who hasn't seen clips of the wonderful George Best? You know, people trying to chop him down in the mud, socks around his ankles, <laughs> uh, just gliding past players you know, with boots that are caked in mud, a ball that is twice or maybe three times heavier than the one <laughs> they play with now, and still making people look foolish and put it in the top corner. Um, people would evolve and, uh, you know, those players would have, been, would have been even better for the ability to have the uh, the options the players have today, I think. Yeah, I was just uh, just the other day uh, on YouTube and came across the uh, Even Me Blood Was Twisted goal. So it's always always <laughs> fun to go back and uh, and watch uh, his highlights in particular. But Danger, I know you got stuff to do, so I will let you go. But it's always a pleasure and the countdown to March 3rd is on. Yeah, very excited about the season. I, you know, I think that it's going to be a team that uh, will be on the front foot and excite the fans here at Avaya Stadium. That's what my hopes are. Uh, just talking to uh, Michael, you know, I think that's what his plans are. So, um, you know, let's go Quakes. Love it. Chris Dangerfield, everyone. And now let's turn our attention to the general manager of the San Jose Earthquakes, the one and only Jesse Fiorinelli. Jesse, what's going on, man? How you doing? Ciao, Ted. I, uh, I'm glad you're here, man. It's it's exciting. And uh, I have to uh, start off by embarrassing you a little bit uh, talking about last year. And I had, you know, I, I didn't know you until the until the season started. And obviously you were very easy to get along with. But there's a view of executives in sports is kind of having a very detached view of the game. And we went down to Atlanta, and that was a very old stadium, Bobby Dodd Stadium. And they didn't know where they were going to put you, and so they put you next to me in the in the broadcast booth, which I, I hope wasn't obnoxious to have the broadcaster right in your 
But I have to say, for me, someone who is a fan of sports, to seeing you reacting to the game the same way that I would, were I not broadcasting, with cheering and laughing and you know just in disbelief at other moments, I, I think that's something the fans should know, though, because that is that's the core of everybody that's in love this with the sport. They have that passion, which I thought, from my point of view, was really cool to see from you happening in real time during a game. Yes. Well, besides in Atlanta, there was uh, an incredible crowd. And it was an emotional game. Um, and I think that, yes, we're all very attached to the club and to the team. Um, and knowing that uh, we are now at a point we, where we have uh, a, a very positive sensation. In that particular moment, we were suffering a little bit. <laughs> 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 but um, no, I am quite connected with what's happening. and. Um, that's why I tend to go into my own private area when I go to a stadium. So, yeah. No, but it's, it's, it's good, though. I mean, I think that I've been around it because, you know, my dad is a sports broadcaster. He was taking me to all these games as a kid, and you would, I would be around other coaches with the 49ers. The coaches' booth was right next to ours, and the visiting coaches, there would be a no emotion from them during the entire game, and I would see their executives, and you, you would just see them the entire time like this, just watching the game with that detached aspect to it and it just always struck me as odd because you know obviously you're you're very good at understanding the sport and identifying talent but anybody who's going to be involved in this they have to have that that passion and that that love for what's happening and I you know that's just one of those things that when I saw that continually from you that it meant something more to you beyond signings and talent evaluations it was easy to see that this was a good thing going forward and that fans were going to be able to see the vision that you had as well yes no I also like to go onto the road and and follow the team actually not only just follow but feel the temperature of the team mm -hmm. and um, especially away you're more exposed um, and you try to be there uh, whether the team needs you or not uh, you still have a very strong connection yeah. yeah and it was it was interesting I saw you um, tweeting out after Andres Imperiale departed the club yeah. you tweeted about the fact that he was one of the guys that was behind the the team dinner idea and getting guys together um, how important was that at that point during the season when you were taking the temperature of the team to add the temperature of the team and there'd been a change at the head coach and there was wins at, at at home and and losses on the road i think it's very important to create a team climate where you know each other and especially in stress situations you can really relate to each other because you have a connection and as we were going further down the road into the season we realized that um, we wanted to make a commitment to each other and the players wanted it was not from me it was mm -hmm. mainly from the players it, it was from the players and going out a couple of times um, I think really molded the group um, and as we head into the new season Michael uh, even the players themselves have said that they would like to continue it even include family their families mm -hmm. um, so that we just feel that bond yeah, I like that very much, and I think that that's you hear that with a lot of successful clubs that familial atmosphere that everybody's kind of on the uh, on the same page. Let's let's rewind a year ago to when you first took this job, just over a year ago now. And I remember we were up in the broadcast booth and we w looked out at Avaya and I asked you what was going through your head and just compare where you are now, your knowledge of the league, your knowledge of the club, um, and what it takes to be successful 
compared to where you were a year ago? How, I mean, how that learning curve is obviously steep. There was a lot thrown at you all at once. Um, I mean, how are you as Jesse Fiorinelli, the MLS mind, compared to 52 weeks ago? Um, I don't think I have changed. I think the experience has really enriched me. Working with the people day in and day out in the first team and the youth academy um, through thick and thin um, made me uh, a slowly but surely a better person. <laughs> I do actually remember the, the day that we were up in the booth. In fact, I've made it a tradition that as soon as we have a player signing, I don't do it from my office, but I do it from up, fr uh, up, s up in the booth. Nice. And I do that because we're connected to Skype, and I would like the players to actually see their new home. And it's put a couple of smiles on, on their faces. <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of become a tradition now. Um, also because we have a special stadium. Mm -hmm. This intimate environment that we have with our fans directly in contact with the team. Um, and just the whole ambiance that you have, even three hours before the game, is unique. You don't find that in Europe. And even the agents, the players that come and visit us, they speak about a special experience. So um, I think this uh, last 12-month uh, period has uh, not only put a smile on my face, but also who has joined our organization in the meantime. You talk about the players' reaction to the stadium, and the video that I was really touched by was when Joel Kweberg first comes out, yeah. and you see him kind of walk out into the light and do the 360 and look around, and you can tell that he's that he's stunned by what he's seen, and that with with it all lit up, and it was just empty and quiet, but at the same time very bright and very vibrant. That that's quite a a selling point for the Earthquakes at a club. I mean, I know everybody talks about you know the stadium, and they've for people that have been going here since 2015 the stadium doesn't still maybe have that same impact on it although I, I still feel awestruck by it a lot of times so I'm just walking around when it's empty I'm sure having that to show players like look, look this is where this could be your home I mean that's that's powerful no doubt and whether it is a player coming from Sweden or the German Federation that was here four or five months ago uh, they speak about a unique uh, ambiance. Mm -hmm. They just soak it up in a different way than if you do it in Germany or maybe in Sweden or in Spain or Italy. Um, doesn't mean better or worse, but in fact, I think that we should shy away uh, from drawing comparisons to other leagues. We have something special here, mm -hmm. uh, whether that's in San Jose, whether that's in other stadiums in the league. Um, and that is something that we can uh, represent. I think that we should... Um, yeah, maybe say proud of is maybe the wrong word, but um, that we don't have to hide from. <laughs> we will continue this talk with Jesse Fiorinelli coming up next on the Soccer Hour on KMBR 1050.